0: welcome to a new edition of the neon jazz interview series with toronto jazz guitarist composer and educator harry bartlett he reached out to the show and sent his latest 2022 cd wildwood it's a wonderful edgy listen as a band leader harry has appeared in festivals and venues across canada and so far he's released two records with the harry bartlett trio while rooted in the jazz tradition, his trio draws heavily on American folk and Western styles, offering music that transcends a single genre. We get into all of this and so much more. Enjoy.
1: Harry, thank you for taking a minute out. Thank you for sending over the album. I really, really enjoyed listening to it. It, it has a different kind of edge to it than you know what I'm used to in, in the typical modern world of jazz. So it was a nice, refreshing sound. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you listening to it. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into the new album, I want to know, how did you do during COVID? How did you survive that two-year period? And how has it subsequently changed the way that you approach things now that we're kind of emerging out of it? Yeah,
2: you know, I um, I, I was in my undergrad at the time uh, studying jazz performance. And I was in my, my fourth year. When the pandemic, it was right at the end of everything. So, it, like moving into all the final recitals and recordings, and that was all just dropped. Um, like I, I seem to remember getting an email that was just like, "Yay, you're you're done." Um, so that that was that was a bit of a shock. Um, but all things considered, I do feel like if. If something like this were to happen, I feel like it happened at a relatively, I don't want to say like fortunate time, but it kind of happened at an opportune time in a way because I had this huge period of time after having been in school to kind of reconsider music on my own terms and filter through uh, and like all the good stuff from school. and and i was also really fortunate to to have this place to go to um out on the the coast of of british columbia where where a lot of my my family lives and uh, and they have some property up the coast so i i went back there um and spent almost a year living living on gambier island and um and i had that time just to work on practicing and writing and to have such a, a long period of time where the music is the work and, and you're not distracted by all of the other things that we generally have to do in our lives, I think that's a pretty special opportunity. So all considered, I feel pretty, pretty fortunate to have been able to do what I did. Um, and this, this album also is, is kind of a result of that time.
1: You know, there's almost this buyer's remorse that everybody has when they talk about the silver linings of COVID. It's almost as though you don't want to go to that place because it was so bad, and so many lives were lost, things were tossed upside down. But at the end of the day, it's more of a testament to what what everybody, how everybody approached their life prior to this. If you looked at that glass half full, you were going to do that during this, you know, and. I think maybe everybody was moving so fast and things were happening so fast. So if you cut down, it's almost like you said—you know—you didn't have to worry about all the other things. And it's kind of like going back to childhood. Like you finally don't have to worry about all the not not every aspect of what it means to adults. You get to kind of just get absorbed into something that is a little bit more uh, tranquil, so to speak.
2: Yeah, I, I I do I do totally get what you're saying. It's uh it's almost like you see things with. With more clarity when everything's slowed down to that that extent, and of course that's also kind of muddied up with all of the all of the grief and the tragedy of of the pandemic so um, yeah, I guess there, as as you say there are kind of two two ways of of looking at it, and I think both both are happening at the same time
1: so Wildwood, talk to me about how you put this down together it's 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 a more you know, guitar, kind of a kind of a different edge to it. How did you construct this album? What was the methodology?
2: Well I it started with the band. I think that that was the first the first thing. So Harry Vetro was playing drums, Caleb Klager is playing bass. We all met in in Toronto while we were studying. Uh Harry was a few years ahead of Caleb and I who were in, in the same year. And um we started playing in 2018 and after after the first gig we did together we or i at least felt instantly aware of this connection i had with these these players and um and knew that it was something that i wanted to really invest in so we we went ahead and recorded an ep uh that summer did a did like a, a smaller tour around ontario ended up doing a canadian tour the following year and um and then recorded this album. So, so when I was writing the music, I was definitely thinking about them and their voices and, um, yeah, like what they would do with, with this material. And, and I think the manner of playing wasn't kind of individually conceived, rather, it, it evolved through just playing with, with Harry and Caleb for, um,
1: I guess about four or five years now ultimately, what do you want the listener to get from this experience? I mean, what, what is it that you hope they feel? That's a good question, and,
2: and it's a hard one to answer because ultimately, it's, it's not up for me to say. Like, I always think that a good good piece of music or a good work of art is something on which, like, many different emotional or spiritual itineraries can be held. Like, it's kind of this this canvas to project one's own experiences on but but for me where a lot of the inspiration came from was was through being on on the coast of bc and and the like beauty and reverence that i associate with that place um so that's that's where it was coming for me but as as i say like it's um how, how other people relate to it is
1: kind of up to them i think So, how did this journey into the jazz begin for you? Talk to me a little bit about your childhood and how the seeds kind of motivated you and made you who you are now. I grew up around a lot of jazz music, mostly through my
2: father, who's a saxophone player. He he played a lot of clarinet through his childhood into the saxophone, and then he started playing around the time that my sister and I were born. So there was there's always instruments around the house and it was always music around the house. Like, I remember listening to a lot of Herbie records, uh, Keith Jarrett records. That was just kind of the uh, the soundtrack of, of my childhood, in a way. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how things got started there. And um, And when I started really getting into music myself, kind of in my early teenage years, it was early blues music that really got me excited. Like, I was listening to a lot of... Um, Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf. Through that kind of, in a way, like my my own exploration of this music mirrored the historical evolution of it. And I got in. I got into jazz music. Started studying with a guitar player out in Vancouver named Bill Kuhn, who's a great guitar player and one of the greatest people. Then in 2016, I moved out here to Toronto to study at the University of Toronto, and was with uh, Jeff Young for my entire since there.
1: What was the first live jazz show or music show that you saw that really inspired you and made you think that would be something you would love to do? Yeah, good question. I remember,
2: I know my dad was taking me up to shows all the time and it's hard to, it's hard to point to which one was, was the first, but I definitely remember seeing Pat Matini when I was probably about 13 or 14 and being totally Blown away by that, um, you know. Having having listened to his his records, of course, but actually being being in his presence was a pretty impactful
1: experience. You know what's so weird about that, and it just still blows me away. I moved to Lee Summit, Missouri, which is in the Kansas City metro, in January of 2020, and that is the hometown birthplace of Pat Mattini. And I've heard so many people tell me stories and anecdotes and first show sightings. It's amazing, and there was a book that was actually released, and you might, if you're really into past, you might want to read it. Um, There was a local author that documented his early Kansas City years and what he did and how, you know, he worked on his craft and got to a point where he is where he is now, and it's fascinating. So. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So talk to me a little bit about... What motivates you? What is it that drives you every day and makes you look forward to being a professional musician?
2: I think the most important thing is to stay curious. Um, like any kind of any kind of endeavor on the instrument or or with music is ultimately driven from a sense of I don't know. So trying to stay stay open to open to new things, listening to new. New music, reading, new books, and and stuff like that. Anything that that can get you curious and incite some kind of exploration. I think that's that's the really big thing. Like in the last year, for instance, I've gotten super curious about bluegrass music and have been learning about that as as much as I can and and studying that and trying to trying to play that and and through kind of trying to trying to do things that you can't quite do, trying trying to learn about things. Um, a lot of really magical things happen because in in your trying to I should try to figure out how to articulate this clearly, but like in trying to do something that you can't quite do, there's something that gets you kind of fill in the gap with your own personality, I think. And um, and I think most of the music that I've written has been a result of that process.
1: So if you could get into a time machine and go back and see a dream gig and the annals of jazz, where are you going? Who are you going to see? The stories you mentioned about
2: Pat Metheny have piqued my curiosity. <laughs>
1: I'll have to send you over a link to the book. Cause yeah, yeah, please um, do. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of Kansas City in there, a lot of cats that are still very active that uh, that were a part of that. Um, and, of course, as you know, Kansas City being a cradle, there was so much good that that still gets made in this town, but that has been made historically. So, yeah, the, the first time that I ever really knew who Pat was before I really got into jazz, I took a journalism class at the University of Missouri-Kansas City, and that's obviously what I was getting into it was journalism at the time. It was my initial foray, and there was a teacher in there that was an old reporter for the Kansas City Star. And I sit next to this guy, and his name's Mike, and we start talking. He's just a really, really nice guy. And he's like, yeah, my name's Mike Matheny, and he kind of looks at me and stops. And he's just, like, looking at me, like, waiting for me to say it. And I'm like, cool, man, nice to meet you. And he just kind of was like, "Um, yeah, my big brother's kind of famous. And I was like, okay, cool. And I think I just kind of went with it. And then we finally, like, circled back around. I was like, "Who? what's Pat's story? And he was like, oh, he's a guitar player, you know, and just kind of got into it a little bit. But he was just waiting for that moment where it was like, I'm the brother of Pat. Um, but yeah. Mike's a flugelhorn player and a trumpeter, and he's released albums, and he's been very prolific in the Kansas City jazz scene as far as he's also a journalist. But anyway... That that was the first time that I ever really like got baptized into who Pat was. So it was a interesting way of getting there. Um, yeah, yeah. And when but, when would that have been? Oh man, that was in ninety three, ninety four, somewhere in there. Yeah, great. Yeah, so that was at a time where I, you know, Pat was firmly in command of his powers with Lyle and Antonio and yeah, all the guys.
2: That, that that's a great. Um, a great era.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um so I everyone has this perception of you. Your family, your friends, your fans, but ultimately you live your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Wow.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess there's there's so many different different levels that that you could answer answer that question on. It's the, it's what I call the therapy question.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that there's no bill to pay at the end. <laughs>
2: Right, right. Yeah, who do I think I am? I like to think of myself as as someone who um, who is open and curious. Like, if 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 maybe I could answer that question through, like me as as someone who who makes and and plays music. I like to think of myself as someone that's that's open and curious, malleable, flexible. Just just words words that. I aspire to associate with accepting collaborative. But yeah, I I, I like could it. probably think I could probably think about that question for another eighty years or so and maybe be a yeah. little closer.
1: But. Yeah, no, that's the thing. It's 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 where we're at right now in this this time and space. So Harry, if anybody wants to pick up the album, where's the best place to find out about live shows? Anything that yeah. you're gonna be doing
2: in your life? Um to pick up the album, um, it's on all, all streaming platforms. Uh, but if you really want to support the project, the, the best place to go to is Bandcamp. I have the, um, the digital album there. You can also order a physical copy as far as keeping up, up to date with, with new shows and stuff. Uh, my Instagram is, is usually, um, updated pretty, pretty regularly. I go by Barry Hartlett in those parts. Uh, my website I have a calendar there I also have a monthly newsletter that I kind of go go into a bit more depth about what projects are going on and and why they're going on kind of yeah I'll be playing playing more shows around Toronto in February through through April then I plan on getting down to Nashville through May uh, to Do some shows down there and um, then back up here, going to be doing a tour with the trio in the kind of like June, July festival
1: season. Harry, thank you for reaching out. Thanks for the music. Good luck with everything. Have a great holiday and a great 2023.
2: Yeah, thanks so much, Joe. It was a pleasure talking to you.
0: Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Toronto, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Harry for his time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Demino in the iTunes Store and Spotify. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
1: Neon Jazz.